Non-stop talk radio. Streaming 24 hours a day. TalkZone.com It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. By the powers vested in me, by the Federal Communications Commission. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. (gasps) Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Now, the woman who's changing the face of health care each and every day. That's the fact, Jack! Here's Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, it's sobering news. Four transplant recipients in uh, Chicago have contracted HIV from an organ donor. Of course, there have been many viruses spread by organ transplants. Um, it's an evolving science. Well, they join us today live from Hawaii, which means uh, they're very committed. They're getting up early to join us. Uh, Hawaii State Senator drafting right-to-know legislation. And Paul Achitoff, the managing attorney for the Hawaii Office of Earth Justice, join us today to talk about all of our right. You and me as healthcare consumers, our right to know about genetically engineered food. We'll talk further with uh, Senator Mike Gabbard, Attorney Paul Achitoff joining us today. We invite you to join us toll-free at 1-800-307-3002 right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Well, it's long been one of those areas that you shake your head. Why aren't doctors more forthcoming about the ills of a mother-to-be smoking or drinking? And why isn't there more outcry from you and me as healthcare consumers, knowing that they're not only putting their own health at risk, the health of their unborn as well? To what extent? Well, we now know more thanks to some British research published in the Archives of Disease in Childhood, that babies of smokers have levels of the nicotine byproduct, continine. Now, this is a a nicotine byproduct that can easily be measured by laboratory analysis in their urine, five times higher, 500% higher than babies of non-smokers. And we know that this nicotine byproduct, continine, which can be measured in the bloodstream, can harm the heart, can can harm the blood vessels by boosting both the resting pulse as well as the blood pressure. And, of course, we know that continine is just one of a number of compounds, many of which are potentially harmful in tobacco smoke. But the first revelation, if they take a look at the urine of infants with smoking parents and the urine of infants with non-smoking parents... What they found is just, I mean, it's eye-opening. The continent levels were 5.58 times higher. So we're talking about 558% higher in infants who had at least one smoking parent. And we link parents who smoke with children who have more allergy, more asthma, more learning and behavioral problems, and now potentially putting their hearts at risk as well. Babies of smokers have levels of this nicotine byproduct called continine in their urine five times higher than that of babies of non-smokers, and continine may harm the heart and the blood vessels. 
we do a lot of them in this country. We do some 600,000 a year to the tune that the average woman in this country in her early 60s um, has um, a very high percentage. In fact, we find um, one out of two women in this country after the age of 62 will have had a surgical hysterectomy and, of course, gone into menopause because of that surgical hysterectomy. Now, as eye-opening, is a report uh, thanks to Duke University researchers in the current journal Obstetrics and Gynecology that most women in the U.S. who undergo a hysterectomy for a non-cancerous condition, and believe me, that's better than 90% of American women undergoing a hysterectomy, will have surgery in the traditional open abdominal method. That is more invasive, hence more risk, uh, requires a longer recovery than either laparoscopic or vaginal techniques. Isn't it interesting that surgery, uh, I was talking with somebody yesterday who was talking about a friend of theirs uh, with gallbladder removal, and just a Band-Aid incision. Last week we were marveling over the news that surgeons actually removed a gallbladder through a patient's mouth. To think that the majority of hysterectomies in this country are still done by the traditional, we're talking about techniques that were used two and three decades ago, open abdominal method, knowing that when you have a more invasive procedure, you have both a longer recovery and a greater chance of complications. And, of course, those complications today may be more deadly than in years previous because of the risk of hospital-acquired infections and methicillin-resistant staph aureus or antibiotic-resistant infections, that hospitalization after a laparoscopic hysterectomy is a little less than two days than uh, versus an abdominal hysterectomy, which is three-plus days. Most hysterectomies in this country still invasive procedures. Well, we've set a record, and I know it's rather dubious. The most ever reported for sexually transmitted disease has now been reported thanks to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. More than a million cases of chlamydia reported in the U.S. last year that we are seeing rising cases of many of the um, uh, diseases transmitted by a sexual contact, including syphilis and gonorrhea, but better than a million cases reported last year, a substantial uh, increase of about 100,000 cases over the previous year. And, of course, three-quarters of women infected with chlamydia have no symptoms. Uh, for men as well as for women, it can affect their long-term uh, fermit, uh, fertility. And interestingly, uh, we find a difference in infection rates among the races that chlamydia infection rates are more than seven times higher in black women versus uh, white women, uh, more than twice um, as... Um, uh, is common in in black women as in Hispanics, but um, you know to to not educate everyone who is sexually active, particularly our young, about these um, sexually transmitted disease, puts all of our health at risk because we're talking about affecting future generations, and that's not something to be taken lightly. 
Well, Target was the first to announce that they would label meat that had been treated with carbon monoxide to make it look perhaps a little fresher, a little more pink, a little more red, a little safer than it really was. Well, it has really <laughs> hit the fan now. There was a House Energy and Commerce subcommittee meeting, and two of our nation's biggest meat producers uh, yesterday inside the Beltway defended this packaging technique, even as lawmakers and many retailers criticizing it as both unsafe and misleading. You know, you have to wonder, you know, how does Hormel and Cargill... <laughs> You know, come to uh, speak before the House subcommittees and substantiate, you know, really defend a practice uh, that, you know, at best is quite deceptive, uh, at worst, you know, may actually um, promote the spread of foodborne illness. And we have all too many of that uh, in this country. We have 76 million cases of foodborne illness each and every uh, year in this country, about 7,000 deaths related to it. So the U.S. Department of Agriculture, uh, of course, responsible for meat, poultry, and egg safety, the Food and Drug Administration, responsible for fruits and vegetable safety. I know the system really makes <laughs> not a lot of sense. And now uh, two of our food processor, meat processor giants, uh, defending that packaging technique that has now been targeted by Target as a situation where they will be labeling meat that has been treated with carbon monoxide, indicating the consumer that the color uh, has been added, which makes the meat look a little more fresh, perhaps a little more safe than it really is. And, uh, of course, all of us may have seen recently, uh, now we see salmon that is labeled that it has been color enhanced, where naturally uh, wild salmon feed on certain sea vegetables and plankton that are rich in these mixed carotenes. Of course, that is so nutritious uh, for us, uh, but we try and duplicate what is present in nature and so naturally nutritious. And now we see all these crazy labels on everything of, of color enhanced on salmon and now meat uh, treated with carbon monoxide to make it appear a little more fresh than it is. We're going to return to talk about a consumer's right to know about genetic engineering. Uh, Attorney Paul Achitoff and State Senator from Hawaii, Mike Gabbard, joining us today right here on Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. A vital part of your daily health regimen. Vitamins, supplements, and Deborah Ray. With a regular focus, we are devoting each and every week during this time to matters relating to the power of our plate and what could be more fundamental to the power of our plate than making informed decisions about the foods we consume. 
thanks to our good friends uh, at the campaign and uh, offices uh, devoted to educating you and me about genetically engineered foods. We have two very special guests joining us today. It's with great honor that we welcome to the show today um, a state senator from the uh, just beautiful state of Hawaii representing uh, District 19 whose family, if you look at his biographical information, what a family history of service, uh, his oldest daughter going to uh, to Iraq, uh, his wife uh, serving as well, uh, the uh, Hawaii State Board of Education. He's also a strong environmentalist, co-founding the nonprofit Healthy Hawaii Coalition. He'll be joining us today to talk about the legislation he is drafting about right to know as it relates to food safety and genetically engineered food. He's State Senator Mike Gabbard who joins us today. Senator Gabbard, hello and welcome. Aloha, Deborah. Nice to have you join us. Good to be here. Thank you. And joining us as well, Senator Gabbard, uh, is uh, the managing editor of the Hawaii Office of Earth Justice, which is a national nonprofit public interest environmental law firm. And uh, Paul Achitoff will be uh, talking with us about the activities of Earth Justice. Attorney Paul Achitoff joining us as well. Paul, hello and welcome. Aloha. Paul, if you'll Very start this, to good to have you both here. Thank you so much for joining us at uh, what an, 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 an hour that is, I understand, quite early <laughs> where, where you all reside. Paul, give us an overview from all of the work of Earth Justice uh, about genetic engineering, particularly as it's been related to us uh, as Hawaii as uh, a unique microcosm, sort of ground zero as it relates to genetically engineered crops growing there, please, Paul. Yes, well, Hawaii uh, is a place where uh, primarily because we have a, a year-round growing season where you can grow up to three crops a year, uh, unlike most places in the country where you can get one or maybe two, uh, a lot of companies like to come to Hawaii and, and field test their crops. So in Hawaii, we've had over the years literally thousands of experimental genetically engineered crops that have been field tested and what happens is the the companies like Monsanto uh, which recently leased thousands of of more acres to do this type of work in Hawaii uh, and other companies come to Hawaii and they, they plant these crops to see whether their genetic engineering of the crops uh, works and they do it Outdoors in fields, and, and they, these fields are generally unmarked and uh, unknown to the, the people of the state in terms of what's being grown and where it's being grown. And so this has been done for a number of years, uh, unbeknownst to most of the people in the state. Uh, so uh, Earth Justice has among other things, been trying to address the fact that a lot of these crops are grown here uh, without disclosing to anyone what's being grown or where it's being grown. Uh, and we've had a number of lawsuits that have tried to address the fact that these companies uh, frequently do not comply with our federal and state environmental laws. And we've had some success in some of those suits. So we're we're trying to address some of these practices which are uh, really inappropriate and they're not good for uh, 
health and they're not good for the environment. Sure, sure. And we'll talk about some of those issues and some of that litigation. Uh, uh, Senator Gabbard, um, you know, you have a lot of constituents um, in that West District, District 9 of Hawaii, of, of which you represent, um, uh, as well as a long, you know, family history of, of service to all the voters there of Hawaii. Uh, give us a general overview of, of your interest uh, in genetically engineered crops in the state of Hawaii, please, Senator Gabbard. Yeah, Deborah. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Uh, you know, I got interested in this, uh, Deborah, uh, over the summer. I'd read about a study by a UH Hilo professor, uh, a man named Dr. Sabri Shihata. You know, what he found in his study, it was done in April of this year, was that about 85% of the, the people here in Hawaii wanted to find out, they wanted to know if their, you know, ge- genetically modified fruit that, that'd be labeled. And so I ended up having a meeting with Dr. Shihata, and from that meeting I began working on some uh, some legislation, a bill that I plan to, in- plan to introduce in uh, January of 2008, which is when our session begins, our legislative session begins. And so I, you know, to me, it's I'm not a scientist or anything, but I've been a vegetarian for about 30 years, and we've always been interested in health. Uh, our family has been, and but I just it just seemed to be just kind of strange that that we don't have that people. Sh- you know, that they should have the right to know what they're eating. And so I started working with the uh, Center for Food Safety and also the campaign that you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Uh, uh, Paul is, with Earth Justice has been very helpful, and, and also Dr. Shihata at UH, uh, Hilo. And the two bills that I plan to introduce is, um, one is to require that all genetically engineered produce grown and sold in Hawaii be labeled, number one. And then the second bill I'm introducing is to set up a notification process to know where these genetically engineered crops are being grown or researched, and that would allow the farmers to to better protect their crops. And, and Deborah, you know, as far as motivation, again, it's to me that there's this general lack of awareness about genetically engineered foods, and so because no one really knows what's what foods that they're eating are genetically modified. So true, true. It's I, as you know well know, Deborah. I think it's estimated that about seventy five percent of the food on the supermarket shelves uh, contain right. genetically engineered ingredients, and fifty three percent, which I thought is, is an astounding number, of the of, of the acres of papayas, which is one of the staples of <laughs> of fruit here in Hawaii. Sure, fifty three percent of the acres of papaya are grown in Hawaii are genetically engineered. Wow. So wow. as far as I could see, after talking with many people, you know, it, it's not, we're not going to get into the whole GMO pro and con fight. You know, that's that's a battle for another day. My point is, is that that we are not able to tell what is genetic, genetically engineered and what's not. And so that's why I think that the labeling thing is, is so important, that people have a right to know what they're eating, number one. And number two, the same thing goes for farmers, you know, they want to, people should know if the guy next to them is, is growing or researching genetically engineered crops. And that way, you know, they can protect their crops from uh, contamination, whether it's genetic drift or cross-pollination. So that's basically where I'm coming from. Very good. And, and Paul, if you'll elaborate, because we've spoken earlier about an article that appeared on the uh, the front page of the New York Times, oh, I guess about a year ago, that indicated, uh, particularly talking about genetically uh, engineered crop 
um, disputes and controversy, particularly in foreign countries, that there are no walls high enough. Um, and, of course, the revelation for all the organic farmers and uh, growers of traditional maize in Mexico or organic crops in Canada, that this cross-contamination is very real when it comes to, as uh, Senator Gabbard wisely pointed out, you know, you have 53% of uh, papaya in Hawaii genetically modified. What does that mean to the organic growers of, of papaya in Hawaii, Paul? Well, if you're an organic grower, uh, you simply cannot market your crop as organic if it's uh, been contaminated with genetic uh, material from a genetically modified Variety. Now, there is some debate in terms of exactly what the laws relating to organic certification allow, but uh, I'm personally familiar with quite a few organic growers in Hawaii, and the simple fact is uh, they're growing organically because they don't want to be marketing genetically engineered and other types of, of uh, non-organic uh, crops, and they don't feel that they can and they don't want to be marketing uh, crops that are not grown organically. And then, of course, with respect to the consumer, uh, it's the same thing. They, they, If they buy something that's uh, organic, they want to know that it's not genetically engineered. And, Paul, well hold as- that thought. We'll pick it up and return. Attorney Paul Achatoff, Senator Mike Gabbard joining us today. Warning, Healthy Talk Radio presents revolutionary information that could cause facial tics and foaming at the mouth, but it's backed up by documented research and presented by credentialed guests. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors. But hey, it's not like they went to medical school. I'm Deborah Ray. We are joined today by two special guests talking about your right, you as a healthcare consumer, your right to know about genetic engineering. It's all part of an ongoing effort. So we talk about making wise lifestyle choices. Oh, yes, the food you eat or don't eat, uh, uh, nutrient supplementation from time to time, uh, exercise, managing uh, those aspects of emotional and spiritual health, sleep, all of those factors contribute to even how your genes express themselves. And we were talking with uh, the managing attorney for the Hawaii Office of Earth Justice, earthjustice.org. Attorney Paul Achitoff uh, joins us today, this national nonprofit public interest environmental law firm, as well as honored to have uh, state senator. He serves District 9 from the uh, beautiful state of Hawaii, uh, Senator Mike Gabbard, who is crafting right-to-know legislation in Hawaii. Join us today to talk about these fundamental topics and Paul, we were talking about um, you know actually uh, using litigation as a, as a tool, and the fact that you know what uh, are organic farmers to do because we cannot build walls high enough. So fr- from the uh, you know the respective interest of, of Earth Justice as an environmental uh, uh, law firm, you know what does it mean to the environment long term, or are we uh, charting that experiment in terms of over 50% of the you know the crops in, uh, of papaya in Hawaii now genetically engineered, Paul. Yes, well, it, as you point out, it's, it's really an experiment at the expense of the environment and the public. Uh, the, the genetic engineering industry is one that has thrived to whatever extent it has on secrecy, uh, and it has 
use this tool very intentionally to expand uh, the growing of genetically engineered crops uh, to the extent that uh, most of the population, I believe, simply doesn't know what's going on. It doesn't realize that there are millions of acres of certain genetically engineered crops being grown in the United States, uh, and in Hawaii in particular, uh, we have several genetically engineered crops and, and then the field testing of thousands of others, and, and most people simply don't know. And in litigation, what I discovered was that the industry uh, not only likes it this way, but will fight very hard to keep it this way because they consider secrecy to be one of the most powerful tools that they have to protect their business interests. And this affects uh, both people who want to know what they're eating as well as farmers who want to know uh, what, their, what their neighbor is growing because it can have serious economic consequences for them if the contamination occurs. Uh, you know, and in the environment, we have all kinds of possibilities, uh, some of which are being realized. Uh, for example, one of the most, uh, the most uh, common genetically engineered crop in the world uh, is, is uh, corn and other crops that are grown. Soy, for example, sure, cotton, right. are uh, resistant to herbicides. And these crops have spread into the environment, so now we have herbicide-resistant uh, weeds that are well documented to be growing in various places that now have to be killed with more powerful and more toxic herbicides. And this has been happening on uh, millions of acres in various countries around the world, and it's a serious problem. Absolutely. And Senator Gabbard, if, if you'll fill us in, because I understand that you are working with a, a number of constituents and in interest on two bills um, uh, relating to right-to-know legislation in Hawaii. Tell us about the, the pending legislation of, of which you are providing an integral role in crafting, please. Well, uh, Deborah, you know, one of the things, uh, as Paul was talking about the organic farmers out here, I also wanted to mention a few other bills that I'm introducing concurrently. And that is a, uh, a state organic program, uh, number one. Number two, an organic task force. And number three, uh, working with the UH College of Tropical Agriculture uh, for uh, funding for organics. So that kind of goes along with this package on the, on the GMO stuff. But, again, the, the, the two main bills that we're looking at is it, it would require uh, genetically engineered produce grown here in Hawaii and sold in Hawaii to be labeled. And the second one is to set up a notification process that would uh, that would identify uh, you know, what Paul was saying about the whole secrecy thing. It's so true, but this would identify where these genetically engineered genetically engineered crops are being grown and researched, so that again, that the people have a right to know. And I wanted to just point out, Deborah, to your listeners, that this isn't a bunch of crazy Hawaiians out here just coming up with this stuff. You know, the you're probably aware of the the, uh, the polling that's been done. Uh, as I mentioned here in Hawaii, a study in April mentioned that 85% of Hawaii residents said it was, it was important to, to have the genetically modified fruit labeled. And I was my staff was doing the research on this, and it was, it was just very curious to me that, uh, you know, 84% of study done in 1995 in New Jersey, 84% wanted labeling. Uh, Time Magazine, 1999, 81%. Yeah. Uh, North Carolina State University in 2003, 92% want labeling. And then finally in 2003 also, Rutgers University showed 94% of Americans they want 
they, when asked directly whether they would like to see labels on genetically engineered food, they said yes. So this is a, I think it's, it's time. I think the timing is good, yeah. and yeah. I think that with the help of people like uh, Paul and the, the campaign and others, I was over in uh, Maui. I was invited to go over to Maui for a GMO awareness event uh, on November 3rd and had an opportunity to speak to many of the uh, environmentalists that are there, but also Native Hawaiian, Native Hawaiian sure. activists and other community leaders. And we talked about the importance of this, and I was very, uh, I was just very happy with the turnout, the enthusiasm of the people that were there. And as I pointed out to them, now I need their help. And, you know, it, the policymakers, when it comes time for session to start, that we have to have uh, people uh, to come in and testify, and uh, that's that's where the importance of, of people getting involved in the process gets. So to you know to to use uh, Hawaii as an opportunity to tell other states around the country, Senator Gabbard, that they can make a difference as as well. Uh, obviously, this is is more than just um, you know legislation that affects residents of the, the state of Hawaii. Uh, I'm sure your, your work you know, with Center for Food Safety, the campaign to label genetically engineered uh, foods, uh, you know, has nationwide appeal as well. Yes, it does. And as your listeners probably know, uh, Deborah, you know, Alaska was the first law in the U.S. that uh, was passed that labels genetically, genetically engineered foods, and that was for fish, and that was in 2005. Vermont was the first state to require manufacturers of uh, genetically modified seeds uh, to label and register their products. That was 2005 as well. And so Hawaii, I think, uh, with, you know, with Paul's help and everybody getting involved in this, I think, you know, we would like to be the first state uh, you know, in the country to, to uh, pass a bill labeling, uh, labeling the fruit. Now, are there, are there laws on the books, Paul? You, you, you spoke of the, uh, you know, the secrecy in, in the efforts of uh, biotech you know, companies who are behind genetically engineered crops and, and seeds. You know, um, is there a need for additional legislation in addition to consumers' right to know, Paul? Well, I, I think there is... Uh a right not only consumers to know but farmers to know and the general population to know uh, what's being grown where it's being grown uh, and just generally I think that uh, for example if we're talking about field testing uh, in, in any other industry uh, if you're growing something or if you're producing something and uh, you don't want someone to steal your intellectual property or you don't want them to uh, to misappropriate some of your property in some way uh, or, or destroy it or what have you, uh, you put it in a warehouse with a lock on the door or you put a fence around it uh, with a guard or something like that. Here we have a situation where the industry puts the burden on the public by saying uh, we're going to do what we want, where we want, and the way that we're going to protect ourselves and our property is to make the, the public ignorant of what we're doing. And if it has impacts on the public or the environment, well, that's not our problem. And I think this is outrageous, and this is exactly what's been happening. So we're trying to address that in through litigation. Uh, but uh, I think ultimately it's going to take legislation to change the, the system of favoring the industries with this, uh, this type of secrecy. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And Senator Gabbard, if you'll comment as well, because obviously because of, of Hawaii's unique ge- uh, geographical location, you know, we now find, uh, you know, farmers in, in this country uh, less able to compete on an international level because other countries look, <laughs> many of them, very dubiously upon genetically engineered crops. And we find, uh, for example, the European Union recently sponsoring legislation uh, that resulted in the revelation of uh, uh, much higher nutrient levels in organic crops, but subsidizing organic uh, crops in Europe. Uh, if this isn't a good thing, not only for the farmers and consumers of Hawaii, but for the farmers and consumers all across this country, Senator Gabbard. Yeah, it's a very good point, Deborah. And I think that you know one of the concerns for papaya growers here, as, as an example, is that, uh, for example, Japan, uh, you know, they're they're not buying the the because 53% of our uh, papayas are, are genetically engineered, they're just saying, you know, we don't want. And so I think the, the the point is that I think that in the long run this is actually going to be beneficial to the uh, the farmers here, the papaya growers, and, and overall to, to, to all the farmers here because it's, it's, uh, it's something that, that people, you know, on the international, uh, on the international scene that they're going to, they're going to buy, you know, economically it's going to be better for Hawaii to, to be producing a fruit that's not GMO, as well as other, uh, as, well, as well as other food products. And, you know, Deborah, I also wanted to mention, uh, along with this, is some other legislation that, that was, we considered this last year. Oh, please. And that was that, uh, there were two bills that were introduced actually in 2007, and, and one was to put a 10-year moratorium on growing or testing genetically engineered taro. Now that's, uh, you talk about a controversial bill. Uh, <laughs> the Hawaiians in the Hawaiian culture, the host culture here, taro is a, plays a very important role. And so, uh, this was uh, a bill that passed the Senate, but it got held up in the House. And, and here in Hawaii politics, the, each bill has a two-year shelf life. So this is a bill that will come up again this coming session. And, uh, in spite of the, the many, uh, Hawaiian groups that came in and testified in favor of this moratorium on, on, on uh, GMO taro, uh, it, it did not make it through the House. So there'll be another big battle on that one. And the other bill uh, was a bill that was introduced in the House that would prohibit the cultivation of uh, genetically engineered coffee. And that was just the opposite. That bill passed the House, but it didn't uh, It didn't move in the Senate. So uh, my sense is, is that these, as I was saying earlier, that the timing is right for this legislation. And I think that that what it will really do is, uh, as we make the public more aware of the situation, of the secrecy involved, of the genetically engineered uh, testing that's going on, that people basically, they want to their families to eat healthy, they want to know what's going on, what they're putting inside their bodies. And I think ultimately common sense is going to prevail on this and we'll be able to get this through. Very good, very good. And in, in, in terms of, of uh, national interests, uh, Paul, as it re- re- relates to this, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, do the opponents, I'm sure they're savvy in terms of not only legislative but litigative efforts. So who are you all up against? I mean, Monsanto's some pretty deep pockets, Paul. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, most of the time what we deal have to deal with is the, the federal government ah, uh, and, okay. uh, and the state government to a lesser extent. Because without the cooperation of the government, these companies have a lot less uh, influence. But the way in which these crops are regulated, or, in, in, or perhaps not regulated, is a better term. Uh, 
you know, it's been a result of a revolving door between the federal government and companies like Monsanto in terms of personnel uh, that has gone from, you know, companies to the government to help write regulations, and then they go back to the companies to make more money. And so what we have is a regulatory system which really, unfortunately, favors the industry at the expense of the public. And that's developed over a period of years, again, without people realizing that this is what's been going on. So I think uh, some of our efforts at Earth Justice are, are towards trying to uh, change that regulatory structure so that it actually protects people and the environment instead of protecting the economic interests of the industry at the expense of people and the environment. Or at least the living field's pl- a little more level, Paul. <laughs> right. But, you know, in terms of the deep pockets, uh, that's not a, not that big a problem, I think. Ultimately, uh, you know, the reason that uh, I do the kind of work that I do is I believe that uh, if you put your efforts in the right direction, right. ultimately uh, you will be successful, and uh, and generally that's that's been true. And no matter how much your opponent's going to spend. Paul, uh, hold that thought. We'll pick up and return. Uh, Paul Achatoff joining us today, the managing attorney for the Hawaii Office of Earth Justice, earthjustice.org, where is well honored to have Senator, uh, state senator from uh, the great state of Hawaii, Senator Mike Gabbard, join us today, crafting right-to-know legislation in Hawaii. We invite you to come back with pen and paper to hand. Right here on Healthy Talk Radio, I'm Deborah Ray. If you think macrobiotic is a computer virus, you need Healthy Talk Radio. The topic today, you're right. You're right as a, as a healthcare consumer to know about genetic engineering. We are joined today by State Senator, the great state of Hawaii, Senator Mike Gabbard, who is crafting right to know legislation as well as other very intriguing organic uh, task force, uh, uh, organic uh, project uh, legislation in the state of Hawaii. Attorney Paul Achitoff, uh, who is the managing attorney for the Hawaii Office of Earth Justice, earthjustice.org, uh, 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 which is a national National nonprofit, public interest environmental law firm. And, and Paul, uh, tell us more about it, what each and every one of us can do. If we go to earthjustice.org, how do we all make a difference? Well, if we're talking about uh, trying to control and, and label uh, genetically engineered crops, I think the probably the most important thing people can do is to educate themselves about uh, what the reality is uh, in terms of what actually is in their supermarkets, what is being grown in their state, and so forth, so they can uh, understand first what the status quo is and the extent to which genetically engineered crops are uh, already prevalent. Uh, They can try to educate themselves about what some of the risks are of these crops, both to the environment and to human health. There's a lot of information out there uh, about... uh, what some of the uh, the tests that have been done and some of the indications that exist of what the effects of these crops are. Uh, and then they can start trying to do something by uh, tr- changing the way in which they uh, shop and uh, preferring organic, for example, which at the moment, because we don't have labeling, is really the only predictable way to right. avoid genetically engineered 
foods. Uh, so buying organic uh, both is good for the health, good for the environment, and uh, good for the local uh, businesses that uh, that thrive on that. Um, and then trying to to contact and influence the legislators uh, to let them know that you want to know more about what's going on. You want labeling. Uh, you you want the an end to the secrecy that uh, has allowed this industry to get out of control. Uh, and and when these bills, like the ones that Senator Gabbard has, has been talking about, come up for hearing, you go there and you testify and you let your voice be known. Uh, this is the only way the change is going to occur. Great information. Well, we point people to earthjustice.org. Uh, Senator Gabbard, I understand you have a website as well, mikegabbard.com? That's correct. G-A-B-B-A-R-D dot com. Our thanks to have you both join us. You are welcome here anytime you would like. Thank you, Senator Gabbard. Thank you very much, Deb. Have a good day. Hello. And our thanks to you, Paul Achitoff. We appreciate your time and information as well. Thank you, Deborah. Aloha. Your right to know about genetic engineering. Two special guests joining us today. If you missed anything, the show archive for two weeks, HealthyTalkRadio.com. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you to live long, stay healthy.